A well-known preacher once said, our disbelief in demons has not eliminated the problem of evil. Fred Craddock. We still have evil in our midst. I was told by a priest once, wherever you see the Holy Spirit at work, evil there is there too, trying to undermine the fruits of the Spirit. This past week, I traveled to Ecuador in order to scout out the upcoming Journey to Adulthood pilgrimage, which will take place in June. Journey to Adulthood is a, is a class for the 10th graders, 9th and 10th graders, and when the 10th graders get confirmed, they move on to this pilgrimage to help deepen and broaden their spiritual experience. And so I traveled to Quito and met with some people from Youth World, which is a mission organization in Quito, and we went out looking at various potential pilgrimage sites, pre-Christian and Christian sites, hoping to become familiar with the lay of the land, and I was hoping to, to plan out, to plot the course of our summer pilgrimage. Ecuador has been part of the body of Christ for around 500 years, and there are many reasons why one can overlook the fruits of the Spirit. The country has a history shaped by long periods of political and economic instability. Poverty is rampant. You can't go anywhere without seeing poverty. Domestic violence is endemic. And the legacy of colonization has contributed to this mentality there that accepts abuse and defeat. These are some, but not all, the reasons why Ecuadorians focus on Good Friday rather than Easter. If you travel there during Holy Week, you will find an overwhelming majority of people who observe and participate in the services on Good Friday. But Easter, Easter is an afterthought. So if America has an issue of jumping to Easter without going through the cross, which happens often, it's the flip side there. They get to the cross and they never get to the resurrection. Even our own church has issues. We have a mission diocese down there, the Diocese of Central Ecuador, which has been struggling with various issues over the last decade or so. And so after my arrival, it was not long before I had a hard time figuring out how I could lead a pilgrimage there. How could I find a spiritually uplifting, the good? This was, this was difficult for me. I did not speak the language, and I felt like an outsider because of my skin, my clothes, my hair, it was well out of my comfort zone. I was in an old, old town square there with my camera, and I turned to my guide and I said, you know, I want to take some pictures, but I don't want to stand out. And she said, trust me, you stand out. <laughs> take the pictures. So I spent all of Tuesday and most, most of Wednesday struggling to adjust as we toured Quito and the surrounding countryside. And in our last stop on Wednesday, we went to look at this pre-Incan site in Cayambe, north of Quito. And we were in the Chevy SUV. And we're traveling along the mountain up these unmarked dirt roads in a very rural area. And the guides were all unsure of how to get there, how to get where we needed to go, because it was not a known tourist destination. And so along the way, as we'd go up the mountain, we would stop the car. If we saw a human being there, we'd say, you know, flag that person down and ask if we're going in the right direction and 
and they would say see and, and point in the direction we were going. And further up the mountain as we climbed, we were going through thousands of eucalyptus trees, past sheep, dogs, cows, the occasional dilapidated center block house with a tin roof. And this anxiety was building up for me and the guides. We didn't know where we were going, what we were going to experience. And we got up to the top of the mountain where there's this community of indigenous people there, the Kayambi, descendants of the people that predated the Incans. It was a rural farming community on the mountaintop. And as we drove up on the dirt road along the top, you can see the deep, rich soil and the lush green crops. You can see the center block houses with the tin roofs dotting the landscape, clouds coming over the top of the mountain. And then there was a grouping of, of small houses in this one area near some of the farming fields. And there was a little A-frame shrine on a little post with a little cross on the top of the shrine, and it looked like a figurine of, of Mary in, in there, and there was candles and beads. And so we drove past that shrine on this dirt road, and you can see a group of people farming in the fields. Most of them were women, and they were dressed in their traditional dress. They had these blue skirts on, white blouses, these green poncho or shawls, and his hat, it kind of looked like a fedora hat, but it wasn't quite. It was round with a small brim. And there were children there. there. Most of them were playing, a few were working, and they had reddish cheeks from the wind and, and the sun chafing their cheeks. And everybody who was there had dark hands from working in the soil. And there was one young man there who was part of this whole group, and they were hoeing up the, the soil, and, they were, and the women were in there in the soil, and there was one woman there who was taking the harvest, and she was cleaning them off. It was potatoes. And so we approached this group, and it was obvious we didn't fit in, and we were outsiders. And our presence was not well received. One of our guides began speaking to a woman there who turned out to be the wife of the community president. And she had the final say-so, whether we could proceed or not, whether we could explore the site that we came to see. It was on their land. And she agreed to let us pass, but made it known that any future visits would require permission. And this matter was going to be up um, with the community president. They were going to talk to him about it for the future. But we received this permission, and we, we walked about 300 yards out to where we needed to go. And, and just before we went to walk out there, our guide engaged one last bit of conversation and asked about the potatoes. And he said, you know, how much do you sell those potatoes for? Are they for sale? And he was told, no, they're not for sale. These potatoes are food for the community. It's something that they all share together, but it's not for sale. And so then we walked out to our site, and we were out there for a while learning more about the Kayambi culture that existed before the Incan invasion. And after that, we went back to get to our SUV. And that anxiety starts building up again. As we were coming near these people, we were so foreign to them. And, and they were foreign to us. And on our way back, we stopped to say thank you. And the woman we were dealing with asked in Spanish if we eat potatoes. That's what they were, all these potatoes there. Now almost all done. They had them all in these sacks. And our guide said, see, yes, you know, we eat potatoes. And then they started having a conversation amongst themselves. They were talking in this native Quechua language, 
and kind of giggling and looking at us, and the children are all staring at us, and we're wondering, what, what's going on? And then one of the women reaches under uh, a blanket or a sack, and she pulls out this plate and starts walking toward, towards us with it. And it's got a pile of fresh, hot potatoes. And she hands us this plate, and we were floored. Uh, it was an amazing gift. And so, of course, we wanted to eat them out of obligation as guests. But i got to tell you, these were good potatoes. <laughs> they were very fresh and light, and just they tasted great. There was no seasoning on them, but they were, just, they were good. And the whole energy level changed at this point. We were really uh, just amazed at this wonderful gift from their community to us. And so then we wanted to do something, so we asked if, if we could bring their potatoes up to the house for them because they were using a mule. They were going to use a mule, put about two bags on a time. There was probably 20-something bags of potatoes. And uh, they discussed it and said yes, and we brought the SUV down and we started loading them up these sacks of potatoes, and the kids got all excited, and they ran into the back of the SUV, and they sat there, and they got a little ride up there, and they were all smiling and happy, and uh, we learned some of their names. It was a really amazing experience. And as we said goodbye, they even gave us some more potatoes, and, and we went down this mountain, and our anxieties were gone, and we felt lighter about everything that had been going on. And it was an amazing experience that this gift we received from the Kayambi people. We were nourished. We were lifted up. We were rejuvenated. Now, I know that my faith is different from the Kayambi on several levels, mostly because of cultural differences. And our differences at this time didn't matter. That event was the turning point of this trip. These rural people who, because of where I come from and my culture blindness, had seemingly less than me, and they offered me so much because they shifted my eyes from seeing all the negative, all the bad that I was seeing, and for the rest of the trip, I could see the good. That negativity that was holding me back was driven away. And so before, when I was missing the good that was right in front of me, it was now easier for me to see. And the rest of the trip, I can, I can see the resilience of the Ecuadorian people who, despite all they'd been through, the colonization being conquered, the turmoil, they still had faith. I can see that the, the church Catholic, despite the many human flaws within it, was still bearing good fruit in Ecuador. And I had a greater appreciation for the mission workers, who were my guides, some who have been there for many years, some who were born there, who, despite many hardships, continued to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in Ecuador. And I could even see that our Episcopal Church, despite its flaws, is moving forward because of good people with strong faith, people who refuse to quit in the face of adversity. Evil is loud and often in your face, and it wants to look big and bad and permanent, and will try to subdue your psyche. There are many pockets in the world with this intractable problem, the problems of poverty, crime, and abuse, amongst others. And these problems can cloud our vision, impair our judgment, and, and make us forget what we heard in the gospel today, that Jesus drives away the loud demons. Jesus has authority over evil. Evil can obscure the good right in front of us, but the good is still there. 
This good is with us and the good is permanent. God finds ways to remind us. God finds ways to feed us. God finds ways to open our eyes. And sometimes it happens in the most unexpected places through the most unexpected people.